The Korean beauty industry is responsible for launching many of the top trending innovations over the last 15 years. But is the current trend for personalization going to stick around? Or are there just too many barriers to entry for brands looking to jump in on this trend? Stick around and let's take a look. Hello and welcome to the Korean Beauty Show podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Lee, K-beauty expert, founder of Style Story, where you can shop, learn, and explore the world of Korean skincare, and the founder of Korean beauty brand Jellyco. So for this week's episode, I wanted to take a bit of a deep dive into one of the key trends that we're seeing here in Korea at the moment. And that's because I did recently do an interview with Cosmetics Design Asia about it. And that made me realize that we are seeing this in so many different uh, spheres at the moment with so many different companies. But I think that the reason we may not see it trickle overseas in the same way, let's, let's talk about why I think that. So essentially, uh, what we have been seeing a lot of in Korea at the moment is brands offering different personalization um, products. And I know if you've spent any time on social media, you will probably have seen that a lot of people are getting their uh, colors checked when they come over here. So people on holidays, foreigners living in Korea or whatnot are uploading videos about themselves going to have their colors checked and see what colors are actually best suited for their skin type. And a lot of people are really shocked to learn that, you know, they've been maybe wearing warm colors, but actually they are a cool tone, uh, you know, that is the best fit for their 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 skin um, in terms of the base undertones and the clothes they wear and things like that. Now, of course, that's not exactly a new trend. I know these kind of things have been around for a long time, and so has the philosophy that, you know, certain colors colors suit uh, different skin types and tones better than others. But I think that this is a real thing that has taken off. Probably in the last six months, I've been seeing more and more of these kind of videos and more and more businesses actually offering these services, both in Korean and English. And some of them are even available overseas as well. So like, for example, Koreans living, I think I've seen in Sydney, have opened up uh, a salon or a, you know, a space where you can come and actually have your colors analyzed. And then they can make recommendations for your clothing and makeup on the basis of what actually suits your skin tone. And the price can get really, really high for some of these. I know friends of mine that did it last year were telling me they paid uh, over 500,000 won for it. So 500,000 won is roughly around, say, 450 USD. Very rough. I haven't double-checked the exchange rate today. But it's suffice to say it's hundreds of dollars. So it's an investment. And then a lot of people, I think, then go away and sort of cultivate their wardrobe off the back of that uh, and probably end up throwing out a bunch of stuff that doesn't actually suit them. So that's one of the ways that we're seeing personalization, customization, come into the industry. The other thing that has been trending for the last few years that a lot of foreigners are just very, um, (laughs) I guess, skeptical of is probably the right word to say, is the obsession over people's MBTI results. So the MBTI, uh, I think it stands for Myers-Briggs. It's a personality test, basically. And I did it like 20 years ago, I think, when I was like first starting out um, well, look, it wouldn't have been 20 years ago. <laughs> it would have been more like 15. Suffice to say, it was a long time ago. Uh, but I remember having to uh, sit that when I was looking to join uh, a law firm, a company for the first time. 
and they kind of wanted to get a handle on what people's personality types were, uh, presumably so that they could pick the right fit uh, for who was already working at the firm and, you know, just seeing how personalities might gel with other people. But Korea has really taken this whole thing to the next level. Like, <laughs> it's it's being used as the basis for everything. Like, you know, if you don't want to go out with your friends, uh, you know, they're like, oh, you must, be, you know, you must be an I or people are using that as an excuse. They're like, look, I'm an I, so I don't do X, Y or Z. Uh, and it's actually so... Um, relied upon at this point that it really comes up a lot in daily conversation. Like, what are you on the MBTI? Like, do you know what you are? And then there are lots of suggestions for, you know, even foods and makeup and all of that kind of thing uh, that I will get onto that are being made off the basis of that. So the idea that, you know, it's personal to you, it's customized for you. This is really having a huge ripple effect on the industry. And we've seen even more examples of personalization trends and services uh, crop up recently as well. One of the ones is uh, Laneige's bespoke Neo service. And this is basically, they've got a store Laneige in Myeongdong. I mean, they have stores everywhere. This is a very big brand. But what they do at this one is that you can actually go, you can, they use diagnostic tools to actually measure and determine the best shade for you with the aid of like digital tools and whatnot so that you can customize your own cushion foundation. I actually had a booking. This is, I'm still a little bit dirty about this. I actually had a booking to go and do this in January and I was sick as a dog and I missed my appointment and there was no way to like cancel it online so I ended up wasting like $80 there was no way to change it I didn't get my colors customized so I'm a little bit dirty about that but that's another that is a, a story for another day I mean that's the story right it's 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 kind of boring I was really really sick and I didn't end up going to my appointment so I didn't get to have my colors matched and as a result I am now probably using a BB cushion color that is not exactly fitted to me but like whatever this is a thing. So it's a really, really popular thing in Korea. And, you know, kind of like, I guess um, it was a thing in Australia, maybe about 10 years ago, there was a company that was doing like personalized handbags and wallets and whatnot, and you could go and have your initials put on them. So this is not a new concept, the idea that people want something tailored to them. Like if you go and buy an expensive handbag or a set of luggage or whatnot, like Louis Vuitton or something, you can actually go and have it monogrammed and you'll see like celebrities go and have theirs monogrammed and then they carry it around with them when they go traveling. So I think the idea that it's just something that's just for you, perfect fit, all of that is not new, but this is definitely the big trend in Korea at the moment. So one of the journalists from Cosmetics Design Asia reached out to me and she was sort of like, what do you think? Like, are we going to be seeing more of this? Are there going to be any impediments to the growth of this trend. And I will put a link to the article in the show notes. So go and read that because it's actually, this is a fabulous resource. Cosmetics design is a really great resource for what's trending uh, and uh, analyzing the industry, analyzing, um, you know, new product releases, trends, things that we're going to be seeing more of I love it. It's really great. And I work with them a lot, uh, particularly for their pieces on Korea, obviously, because that's kind of my thing. So what I was sort of sharing with them is that I think when it comes to this becoming 
a trend at lots of different levels of the market. It's just not that easy. And the reason is you need so much You need so many resources at your disposal to be able to offer a service like this. So, for example, if we take the the Laneige Neo Cushion example. So, not only do you then need a storefront somewhere, you need uh, booking software that can sort of roll that out. You need staff in the store to actually be able to handle all the people coming in. Then you need all the digital tools, the analytical tools to actually take a look at your skin type or or skin color, work out what it is. Then you need the tools again to go away and create all of that. So this is just not the kind of thing that I think we are going to be seeing at the indie end of the market anytime soon. I just don't see how that's going to be feasible. And indeed, if you look at the brands that are rolling out all of these kind of things at the moment, brands like Laneige, brands like Etude uh, Etude House. I always want to say Etude House. I know it's just Etude now, but I'm old. Old old habits die hard. Um, Etude is now doing a collection of makeup products based on the MBTI you know, and what do you even want to call it? The, your results, I guess, based on your MBTI results. Uh, and, you know, that then makes suggestions for your makeup colors, which maybe that's a bit of a stretch. I don't, I don't know how your individual personality and whether you're an introvert has anything to do with the way you do your makeup. I'm definitely an introvert and I sometimes do out there makeup. So I don't know. Anyway, that's what they're doing. But Suffice to say that those are all brands that have the backing of a huge conglomerate. So they have Amore Pacific's money behind them. That's how they're able to do all of this. Rolling out like individualized, personalized BB cushions, uh, makeup palettes and all of that is not really possible at the indie end of the market just because the amount of investment that you would need to make is just I I don't think too many brands could afford to take that risk. Uh, Certainly, if you are just a startup or whatnot, I just, I honestly don't think that's going to be possible. You need a pretty sizable marketing budget. You need to have all of that software and technology at your hand, at your hands as well. Uh, So I don't think that that is going to be something that we're going to be seeing at all levels of the market. The other thing is, of course, that Koreans get bored really quickly. So this is a trend at the moment. Who knows how long it's going to stick around for. Uh, You know, everything sort of turns over fairly quickly. This has already been going on for a little while. So I don't know how much more juice there will be to squeeze out of this, you know, as we move towards the second half of this year. So I don't know that this is going to be something that we will be seeing going on and on. I mean, Korean beauty is also not the only one that has done this. I remember a few years ago, I think it was Clinique that was doing an ID serum thing where you, depending on your skin type, if you had dry, sensitive or whatnot skin, they would recommend a special formula for you. I think that kind of thing is probably much more achievable. I know what we are doing, what we're hoping to do at Jellico this year, we are actually working with an AI-based startup and they've created a technology that allows you to analyze your skin online. So you basically take a photo of your skin, show it to their technology, and then we will feed our data for our products into that system and it will be able to make recommendations for your specific skin type for our products based on your skin analysis. That's the kind of thing that I think is probably much more available. Um, Well, not much more available, 
but an option maybe for brands that are a bit smaller who don't have the the, the resources behind them to come up with 80 different, you know, um, color formulations of cushion or whatnot. So that was basically what I was talking about uh, with Cosmetics Design Asia and just going through some of the, the hurdles and obstacles I see to the trend. I think bigger brands are probably always going to want to do stuff like this, you know, like the Cliniques of the world. Obviously, Amore Pacific has so many different brands that it owns. Uh, And I think that there's a natural reason for that. And that is it's a great marketing opportunity for one. You know, you get everyone going into the store, getting their personalized thing, and then they want to share that on, you know, social media, which was very, very powerful uh, and a very great way to grow brands. And I think that a lot of the times these days when people are going into like a mall or going shopping, because everything's so readily available online, if you're trying to coax people and convince them to actually visit a, 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 a store in person, you kind of need to offer them some kind of experience. So a lot of the flagships, not just in beauty, but in a lot of industries, are really trying to have this kind of experiential um, thing for you when you go to visit them. So I know uh, Gentle Monster is one of the really big ones here in Korea. They do sunglasses and their stores are nothing like ordinary sunglass stores, but you walk in and they've just got like a million sunglasses. They'll have like crazy displays of like a huge monster or something like that, um, you know, that makes you go, what is this? And you want to walk into the store and have a look around. And that's how you get to experience the brand. So this is a very big trend, particularly in Korea, because there's so many different neighborhoods uh, that are really famous for like pop-ups and things like that. So people head to that neighborhood to maybe go have something to eat, have a look around, and they want to be entertained. You know, they don't just want to shop because you can do that online now. You can do that when you're sitting on the subway. You can do that, you know, in class, probably sitting in class, you're bored, you want to do some shopping. You can do that. So to actually be somewhere walking around, you know, you want to see something a little bit different. And that is what a lot of the flagships are serving up at the moment. So that is, you know, a possibility for personalization in its own way. But um, yeah, I just thought I would run through that because that is a trend that we are definitely in the middle of at the moment. But I just don't see how it's economically feasible for a lot of smaller brands to jump in on this on this trend. Um, I, I don't know, maybe I'm overlooking something, but that that's my analysis of it. And like as a brand owner as well myself, I'm like, there is no way we could make it work at our level of the market by having like, you know, 15 different <laughs> formulations ready to go. That would be the same thing as launching 15 new SKUs, which is just not possible for us. Um, you know, as it stands, we have five skincare SKUs at the moment. We have two accessories and we're looking to add two more we've got two products that are about to be released and and those products have been in pre-production since 2022 so it's 2024 now like I'm probably a large reason for a lot of the hold up with that because I'm pedantic about the formulations and I just I 
I don't know, I get really fixated on something and I have to have it perfect. Um, we are looking at upgrading one of our existing five products at the moment. And I've sent the upgraded version back so many times because I'm like, I'm not launching it unless I'm 100% happy with it. That's just my personality type. I know a lot of other brands are not like that. And to be honest, it's probably not always a good thing, but I am just, particularly when it comes to the formulations, like that is something that I just will not compromise on, I would rather get it right and launch something that, you know, I'm happy to put to market and happy to put my name behind rather than launch something and then be like, oh, let, let everyone else give the feedback. I mean, people give feedback anyway, but that for me is just not um, negotiable. So I don't think it would be possible for us as a smaller brand at this stage anyway to have 15 different SKUs. And I think a lot of other brands are in the same uh, position, you know. And the other thing is we've been having a lot of talks lately about uh, waste in the market and, you know, ethical consumption and all of the, the things that go along with that. And, you know, in order to not do that and not create all this extra waste in the market, you kind of do need to have then the distribution channels already set up to go. You really do need to be in that next, the next level up compared to an indie brand where you've got all of that technology behind you. You've got your own, probably your own factory. You've got your own R&D. You can do all of that in-house so you're not creating all this additional waste that is then just going to end up in landfill. And I think that's really, really important. And no matter how much consumers love personalization, if they found out that a lot of this stuff was just ending up in the garbage, I think people would be very, very angry. So anyway, that's just my, my thoughts about this trend that we are seeing in Korea. It is a lot of fun. People do like to feel like it's something is specially made for them. Uh, and particularly when it comes to, you know, the color analysis and whatnot, very useful information as well for you when you're going forward and making purchasing decisions. But I'm not sure about this one. I think we will continue to see it at the bigger end of the market. I don't know how long it's going to stick around for. I feel like maybe we're getting to the end of it just because of how quickly the cycles uh, move on in Korea. People maybe are going to be getting over it soon. I'm not sure. Um, I don't know if we'll be seeing this like five years into the future. That's just not really the way that Korean beauty tends to cycle. People are going to want something new. They're not going to want to be talking about um, MBTI in five years' time. I can almost guarantee that. Um, uh, certainly not in beauty and cosmetics, maybe in other areas, but I, I don't see this being like a defining trend in the next sort of five, ten years. I think that will have to move on to something else just because, you know, newness is the thing with a way to capture people's attention, particularly in Korea. All right. Now, on to our question of the week. And we had a really interesting one come through from one of our listeners who was wanting to know what are the popular treatments in Korea at the moment? And I think the two that I hear the most talk about are uh, Rejurin or Rejurin Healer and then also Hifu, which is the high intensity frequency ultrasound. So Rejurin is really, really popular and it's basically uh, a type of injection that you get all over your face. So a lot of people say that it is very, very painful. Obviously, pain is a very personal thing. What some people consider painful is not painful for other people. But it basically involves a lot of different needles being injected into your face that contain 
are the P- PN, which is polynucleotide. So essentially what happens is when there are more than 10 nucleotides, uh, which are a component of DNA, when they're linked together, that's called a polynucleotide. That is what is being injected into your skin if you are doing the Rajuran healer. And essentially how it works is that it goes into the dermal layer and helps your skin to regenerate itself. So the idea is that it increases your elasticity, it can reverse skin damage, Uh, And it is really uh, a great option for people that have very dry skin, maybe acne scars and things like that. So in winter, this is really, really popular. Uh, A lot of clinics uh, will recommend it for people who are uh, in their 30s, if they've got really dry skin, if you have wrinkles and things like that, um, or your skin has become really sensitized or thinned. So that is who these treatments are really good for. And you can get it done pretty much anywhere in Korea. If you are looking for a resource for where to go when you are in Korea, the one that I would recommend downloading is Gangnam Onni. It is an app and that is what Koreans use when they're looking for uh, advice, recommendations, reviews and things like that on places to go. It's Gangnam Onni. This is not sponsored by them. That's just what everyone uses. Uh, The other really popular one is HIF. Uh, and there are quite a few different versions of this. Um, Olsera, which um, is a local Korean version. There are lots of different ones. I actually did an episode just on this. So if you're interested to learn more about that, go back into the podcast archives and find that one uh, because that one is still extremely popular. I think the other trend, uh, the other things that are trending that are kind of just always trending are things like Botox, fillers, they're very popular here. Skin Botox is another one, but I feel like I'm hearing more about uh, Rajuran Healer compared to Skin Botox at the moment. Skin Botox is another one of these ones where you get lots of uh, needles injected into the superficial layers of the skin. It's supposed to give you that glass skin look. Uh, so a lot of celebrities and TV stars will have that, uh, and it sort of minimizes the appearance of pores. But what it doesn't do that Rajuran Healer can do is actually treat your skin to make it better in the long term whereas the skin Botox is literally just a procedure. Um, So both very painful, both involving lots and lots of needles all over your face. So depending on your, I guess, pain threshold and also whether you like needles coming at you from every different angle, this may or may not be a procedure for you. Uh, But yeah, that's what's trending at the moment. I'm seeing a lot of people talking about that, particularly over winter, just because, you know, it's, it's so dry here. A lot of people are looking for a way to boost their skin's hydration. And that's another thing that Rajuran Healer, if, if done properly, and if you follow a good maintenance routine after Rajuran Healer, can actually give you that really enhanced skin look. So hopefully that answers your question. Now, I'm going to introduce uh, a segment that we have done uh, many times in the past that I personally enjoy, and that is called, Why Did You Buy This K-Beauty Product? And it's basically a question that we ask our customers when they're purchasing products, just for our own information, uh, but the results are always really interesting in my opinion because people get um, a little bit more honest maybe and also you will find out whether it's second purchase first purchase or whatnot so we have a whole bunch of different products the first one on my list was for Subi's bare skin balm and when we asked our customers why did you buy this product uh, someone said 
Simply excellent quality, easy to use, gentle on the skin, and it cleans very well. So that's why she bought it. So I'm assuming she's used it before on that basis. The second product was AHC's Real Private Eye Cream for Face. And this is that product that uh, is a number one bestseller in Korea. That is an eye cream formula, but you can technically apply it all over your face and neck. So a little bit different from other formulas that can be a bit thicker, maybe, and you wouldn't want to put them all over your face. So this product, the customer said she wanted to try a different eye cream. That's why she bought that one. So look, a lot of people like that. They've like, I've tried something else. I want something new. Now, why did you buy this K-Beauty product was asked for our Jelly Co. Cherry Blossom sleeping mask. And the customer said, I heard so much about it on the podcast and it sounded exactly like what I needed as a hydrating mask. Uh, So if you're listening, thank you very much. And I hope you do enjoy your mask. Uh, And then we had another one for Skin Foods Salmon Concealer Eye Cream, which is very popular. And this customer said, I've heard good reports on this item, including on the You Beauty podcast. So if you're not familiar with it, You Beauty is one of the biggest uh, beauty podcasts in Australia. It's run by the Mamma Mia Network. I absolutely love listening to that podcast as well. They cover a lot of what's trending um, in Australia, in Australian beauty. Uh, They do K-beauty as well. They featured a couple of our um, Jellico products uh, in their, you know, what's in my stash as well. So uh, definitely that's a really good one. Uh, And it's very, very popular in Korea as well. That's actually one of the products that has been around probably for the longest, I would say. Skin Food has a lot of classics that they haven't touched too much, and that one is one of them, um, just because of how popular it is, the Salmon Concealer Eye Cream. Very, very beautiful product. The last one I had on my list was uh, a Why Did You Buy This Response for Subi's Hollow Dream. And this customer said, I received a sample and it worked wonders on my skin. So I wanted to try the full size version. Uh, And is there any better way to discover a new product than when you get a sent a free sample for it? I personally love that too. When when I purchase products, which I I do often here because I, I love to see what's new and going on, I have discovered so many different products through sampling as well. And oftentimes it's not something you would have bought yourself, but once you've tried it, you're like, okay, okay. I see what's going on here. I'll have some more of that. Thank you very much. Uh, So thank you to everyone that did share their thoughts. Uh, And you can do that anytime you purchase products on our website. And we also give you points in exchange for your reviews just because of how helpful they are to other people as well. Uh, So thank you to everyone that did that. And for our recommendation of the week, I have a new K-drama for you. Now, this one has not finished yet. That's the only caveat I will make. If you're the kind of person that's like, don't uh, recommend me something that hasn't gone all the way through because I like to just binge watch it in one fell swoop. That is not this one yet. If you're listening a little bit later, um, maybe it's, you know, March or April or something, then it'll probably be all done. But the drama is called Dr. Slump. 
It is available on Netflix and it stars Park Hyung-shik and also Park Shin-hae. So Park Shin-hae is um, a veteran of K-drama. I think this is one of her big projects for her return from maternity leave. So she had a baby maybe about a year and a half ago, I think. But she has been like a staple K-drama star pretty much since I started watching K-drama. So a long time ago, um, she got very famous when she was very young and she's basically grown up on the screen but this is a really interesting one so far I can't remember what episode we're up to but we're definitely maybe six episodes in so I feel like I've seen enough I can kind of tell where it's going to go but it's an interesting storyline and this doesn't give anything away but it deals with depression and the topic of you know people that thought that if they achieved a certain goal or became a certain profession in this case obviously we're talking about doctors that you know their life would be a sure bet and that you know they that would be the path to happiness and everyone around them had kind of convinced them that you know if you can succeed in this you you'll have it made and then they realize their dreams but something just doesn't feel right. So I think that's a very interesting topic for them to tackle just because of how big the problem of depression, anxiety, and mental health, how much of an issue it really is in Korean society, but it's often just ignored. Uh, And you can kind of see that coming through a little bit with some of the characters, the experiences they have, but I just think it's a really important topic to canvas um, because I think this must be a really common thing for a lot of Koreans that you know they were told if they got to work at a takeop a big a big company um, you know one of the conglomerates that they would you know that everything would work out in their life because they had the job that everyone else wanted um, you know more salary than other people probably and I think a lot of people that do that end up realizing that you know there's there's got to be more to life maybe so very interesting show. I personally love these two actors as well. I've always loved Park Shin-hye and I think Park Kyung-shik is really good as well. He's had some really, really interesting dramas. So I was really keen to see them together. I'm not sure if they have great chemistry, to be perfectly honest. I think they're both charming in their own way. I'm not 100% sold on the idea of them really being um you know, a potential couple. Um, I don't think that's giving anything away. I mean, he's a K-drama, guys. Like, <laughs> if, if we can't expect some romance, like, what are we doing here? But anyway, that is my recommendation of the week. Now, it hasn't finished yet. It could all fall apart in the second half, and we've definitely, if you're a K-drama fan, you've been there, done that, bought the T-shirt. Uh, but so far, so good. It's interesting. It's, it's, it's a light-hearted way to watch a deeper topic is probably what I would say. Like the topics that they're dealing with um, are quite heavy, but they're, they're doing it in a way that is, I think, approachable for a lot of different people. So if you are looking for something new to watch, that one is on Netflix and then it has the subtitles available as well, which I know a lot of people like to watch along with the subtitles. Um, So it has all of that. So I'm going to leave it here for this week. I will be back in your ears next week. And until then, I will see you on Style Story. Style Story.